Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, how to launch a Nordic beauty brand internationally. We are joined by Ola Geide, founder of the Stockholm-based consultancy Daimon Retail. Ola is a good friend and an expert in the beauty field, and we will talk to him about the state of Nordic beauty from a business perspective, lessons learned from launching Nordic beauty brands internationally, and why beauty is becoming more of an identifier for consumers. My name is Conor Dolson, editor-in-chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm joined with my dear colleague and our resident beauty expert, Johan Magnusson. How are you, Johan? Yeah, I'm very good. How are you? Excited to be here in the podcast studio where we'll soon invite Ulla into the conversation. It's not often that we do uh, uh, pod studio conversations here at the Helio co-working space. Uh, happy to be here. And Yuan, of course, we are now celebrating three months of Beauty Innovation Insights newsletters. So I thought we'd just uh, start off by talking a little bit about you sharing what's it been like doing this newsletter uh, during summer. A lot of work and a new kind of uh, work because uh, you constantly are looking for insights. It's not about uh, following product launches or, uh, yeah, just look uh, speak to brands uh, in a regular way, mm. but uh, try to find the right executives that m- may share the right insights. So it's been challenging, but also very rewarding. And as mentioned in previous episodes, I've learned a lot and I hope that the readers have as well. Well, judging from the reactions, they, they certainly have. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons we we wanted to do this is that we, we just realized we had all this information and had all these insights kind of, kind of at our disposal. And we needed to find a format to package it and and share it to to the audience, which is largely made up of people within these industries that we cover. Uh, so in this case, the, the, the beauty industry. Um, can you talk about any any uh, of the the stories that you've uh, found you know enlightening for you that 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 has been a different type of, of reporting for you? Oh, there's been quite many, but uh, it's so good um, when you when you meet the right people. They're very generous with um, their insights. Mm. For instance, Filip uh, Sedic, founder of uh, Forio, the Swedish-founded uh, um, beauty tech uh, pioneer, mm. now celebrating uh, their first decade. They hosted a huge event in Stockholm the other week, and I got the chance to speak for, we spoke for like almost an hour. And uh, he was so generous and very open-minded and also a bit uh, controversial in terms of how to resonate with the rest of the industry, because... They're so big; they have nothing to lose. He he can be uh, he he can speak out freely, and um, yeah, they 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 have come such a long way. So uh, he was so full of confidence, and uh, it, it was a, a conversation I will remember for quite long. Good stuff. We also launched the the beauty innovation concept at SIF. We've done two two sessions now. One early in the year when we hadn't yet launched the, the newsletter. What was the the vibe down in in Copenhagen, and how do people receive our concept there? That's so good because then we got to meet the the target group, so to say. Because of course, uh, the people there at the booth at the at the trade fair stands, uh, they of course work for the brands, work at the brands. So they're the industry representatives, and it's quite clear that it's also so much of a white space like uh, we're filling a gap in the market so to say because we've ha- we've seen of course 
beauty industry uh, newsletters or uh, media outlets from like the US or the UK and we do have some in the in the Nordics but they're in their local language while we of course cover it in English so we can reach an international audience so it's clear that it's something that's been missing uh, for a specific group uh, like beauty industry insiders or those interested in the industry mm. but uh, the, the response from uh, the target group was super, super positive. Wonderful. So just a note to say uh, before we get into our interview with Ola that Beauty Innovation is now moving from its uh, early access free edition that's been running throughout summer into the paid uh, version. So this is a paid newsletter. We do need uh, support from the industry to produce our content. So starting from this week, uh, you will need to uh, sign up for our paid um, uh, version of the newsletter and there's an early access offer at 20% off if you sign up now for the full uh, first year. There's also a larger group discount if you want several subscriptions for your company. Um, all right. We're soon going to invite Ola into the conversation. Uh, you one, maybe you can just uh, introduce Ola a little bit before we, we get him in, in into the conversation. Who is Ola Geide? Such a nice guy. We've known each other for a few years now. Uh, we see each other every second, every third month. We uh, we have a beer. We we just speak freely about uh, yeah, this and that from the from the industry and um, yeah, focusing on uh, on beauty and. Um, also, uh, very experienced, of course, uh, from various parts of the industry. Mm. Uh, now also an entrepreneur, running his own um, uh, beauty and personal care brand. So it's always uh, nice to, to, to speak to smart people um, in a casual setting. Wonderful. So let's invite Ola Geide after the break. All right, we're sitting here now with Ola Geide, founder of Diamond Retail. Welcome, Ola. Thank you so much, Conrad. It's been a long time coming. We've talked about having you on the pod for a, for a lot of t- for for many many. I don't know. Is it is it even years? Yes, it is even <laughs> years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so even though I think you have your office uh, three hundred meters from ours, and we see each other all the time, um, but we thought since uh, we're moving into a new season with with Beauty Innovation, we wanted a, a, a real expert. Uh, on the podcast so maybe start off by introducing yourself and and what you do with with diamond retail yeah so diamond retail was started uh was founded in 2010 Mm. so it's um 13 years plus actually together with my two colleagues linda bradley and camilla strange and uh from the beginning we have been a very niche consultancy focusing on both uh, strategy but also very operative on the um i would say the sales field helping brands to get started, not just making PowerPoints. And uh, we've been focusing on on a few industries, and I would say the common factor is lifestyle brands Mm. with a clear, true, good story. And that is seen within beauty as well as in fashion and interior design. So those are the three uh, segments that we work in. And we have worked with a lot of um, beauty brands. Uh, I was early on with La Bucet, for example, and and follow them on, I don't know how many markets, but a lot. <laughs> so uh, it's been a lot of Swedish brands, but we also have an office in Berlin uh, mm. where we have uh, approached um, and worked with some European brands as well. A nice brand in um, in uh, Holland called Marie Stella Maris, which is a brand I really like as well. 
So uh, it's been a number of years, uh, and uh, two years ago we also decided to uh, to do it ourselves because being a consultant for many years, you get some eagerness to uh, to try your skills and do something yourself. And uh, then we started a, a care and cleaning brand and personal care brand called Active Caring, which is a brand that uh, going to help you to take care of your objects instead of your skin, but in the same way, so you can make it last. Um, so it's an interesting journey, and uh, I understand the struggle from many brands starting mm. from scratch. So uh, a lot of learnings. <laughs> there, there's tons of follow-ups, and we want to get into uh, uh, you know the experience of launching your own brand and taking some of, of uh, your clients out internationally. But okay, talk to me a little bit about why you have this sort of interesting approach, because as you mentioned, you're you're not just a consultancy. Uh, in that you're just giving advice or, or sitting in a conference room. You, you're actually working very hands-on uh, with your clients. How did that come about? And, and talk a little bit more about how that process works. I think it's. Uh, I've been a consultant for uh, for other consultancies before, and I always had the feeling that when you get a nice, fancy report with good advice, it's often say, okay, how do I do it? Mm. And it's more about the doing than the ideas today because there's so many ideas and taking the ideas to action, I think that's where a lot of people need help. And also I think the the whole retail industry is not so consultant oriented. They're much more sales oriented and right. result oriented. So I think that urge us also to become more operative and not, giving advice is good, but also how can we transfer that advice to sales? Mm. So that's what we've been focusing on and trying to help brands in the first step to get into a new market, take the first baby steps, but also maybe to find the first partner and get them going yeah. uh, like like a team. So in many brands, we've been part of the team uh, as a team member instead of a, just a consultant in a suit. <laughs> so, so we're talking about actually traveling to these new markets, establishing contacts, visiting trade shows, Ab- visiting a new, uh, I, I guess, in retail locations, all, all that sort of, you know, hands-on, on-the-ground stuff. Absolutely. Even finding stores. Mm. So mm. it's been on a detail level. Absolutely. Wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about the specifically beauty, because that's why we kind of wanted to invite you. And I'm, I'm going to invite you one. I know you have tons of questions. Uh, Starting off, what, what's what's been your general, uh, you know, uh, view of the beauty industry throughout all these years? I mean, you you've, you've now worked intricately with brands. You now you know gone into st- starting your own one. Are there some general trends you see of how the the industry has changed and the attitude towards brands have changed? I mean. <laughs> I think Scandinavian beauty or S beauty or N beauty, what we should call it, is is becoming uh, something on the map. Actually, it's still, I would say, early stage. I mean, if you look at the brands we have in Sweden, not many of them are big brands, but they're big in their face, uh, meaning that they've they've done a good first steps uh, to take it to the next volume step. Uh, but uh, I think in general. Sweden has, uh, from a perspective outside Sweden, uh, we have clean air, we have clean water, and that's also something which has been transferred into the beauty industry of Sweden. So I think we have a high trustworthiness in creating natural, clean products. And I also think we have a different touch of it because we come more from a design perspective than we come from a true ingredient perspective from the beginning. We're simple. We have simple routines. 
uh, with package with nice design and we tried to I think we created true stories which are take La Bucat for an example which uh, comes from Varberg with all the spa culture I mean it's something which is tellable in so many lines it's it's a story which is not made by an advertising agency and I think that's the context of Swedish beauty we're, we're not complex like you take k-beauty with 10-step process it's a simple process and it's clean <laughs> um, and I think also maybe on the contrary we're not perceived as very technical uh, there are brands like Verso for example who is a technical brand uh, but in general we're not we're not really that tech oriented as maybe American brands are so um, but it's a good foundation and I think it's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what are the next steps because not many of them are big today except for by Raiderfrock of course and uh, who's next in line um, again I think it would be interesting to see but they're on the map in many countries it's not just that they've gone to from Sweden to Germany they've spread out to all the major cities and really made a name for it and um, yeah and we also tend to forget because we live here mm. it's so easy accessible for us you go to your country house every weekend in the summer Conrad uh, it, the closeness to nature is a cliche but it's also quite exotic for non-Scandinavians so this lifestyle can also be transferred into ad campaigns or lifestyle campaigns but also like beauty routines like the simpleness so to say and um, where nature of course there's a, a huge growth for natural beauty uh, and that resonates quite well with the, the the local market and the local beauty brands i fully agree and uh, i also think that sweden has always been an exporting company uh, country cannot call it a company but we are good at creating uh, niche niches because that's what you need to do in order to succeed internationally so I mean, take a small brand like Gun Anna, who is making uh, SPF products. It's perfect. It's a niche which is so touchable. And the need for the consumer can really translate it to uh, uh, something that I want myself. And it's easy to talk about it. Instead of being this broad brand who has everything, it's not going to succeed. So I think we've been good at creating these small stories and small niches in Sweden, which is translatable in any language around the world. And the keys to success for many brands in the startup phase, so to say, is of course to begin with your local market. And then, of course, it's quite an advantage that uh, the Nordic population in general is quite now well known for being so curious and open to try new things and not, not afraid of uh, like uh, failing or choosing uh, the wrong product. So even though this we have this huge competition, we constantly see uh, like uh, a development with new brands emerging. You mentioned uh, Gunana, which is a great example. Uh, but also th it's so easy to uh, just set up your own web shop and we're so digital first so we're so open to like we're, we're we're constantly with our cell phones of course and that's not uh, unique for this region but uh, uh, we're so uh, far ahead when it comes to like online shopping uh, uh, modern retail consumer behavior and such so it's a, a great um, th there are great conditions for beauty brands to 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 not only start but also to to grow and then uh, go to SIF in Copenhagen or expand <laughs> to other markets uh, in other ways or through you guys <laughs> <laughs> 
So you mentioned some of the the sort of the positives of being a Nordic or Swedish brand. Mm. Uh, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the hurdles? You mentioned we're not perceived as as you know highly high tech, which is kind of surprises me in a way. But mm. what what other challenges are you facing as a kind of smaller medium sized brand going out there? I. <sighs> I would say the industry is changing because of the economic climate a lot uh, and the easiness to establish a new beauty brand. Mm. I mean, 10 years ago, uh, it was hard to establish a new brand. But today, I mean, to be honest, anyone can start a new brand. If you have the idea of your story and your uh, type of target group, etc. So... Meaning it's easy to find packaging, someone to to you know do a white white label product for you, etc. Extremely easy, I would say. Uh, and there are many production units in Sweden and in Europe who will be happy to make your recipe uh, mm. as long as you have a good story. So the amount of new brands uh, is a difficult part, and also the risk taking in the industry, because the stores are not doing very well, so they are not taking any risk anymore which means the next person in line, which is the distributor agent, is not taking any risk. So all the risk ends up on the brand. And many brands, they're not starting with millions in their pocket. They start with enthusiasm. Uh, what did you say before? LFG. <laughs> 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 Saying, let's go. Uh, but they don't have the resources. And in the past, they've been relying mm -hmm. a lot on the distributors because mm -hmm. the distributors, they bought uh, maybe three months of stock. And that could finance the next round of production and ease the cash flow. But now the distributors, they buy almost what they sell. So they buy like a, like a store. Right. So that makes it really hard to make it. And if you don't have the investment then or back again to the margins you have, uh, it's, it's difficult. I think that's what a lot of people are struggling with. It's, and it takes so long time to establish a brand. Mm. It's not done in a, <laughs> in a sec. So persistency and then being able to finance that situation, I think it's been pushed back to the brand mm. a lot more than in, in like 10 years ago. Still, you were so keen to start your own venture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you've seen the, all those challenges firsthand and yeah. still... I want to I want to wait uh, hold <laughs> off on, on that for a while. We're going to get into to the experience of, of launching your own brand. But going out, uh, you know, past the, the Nordic borders, um, and, and you mentioned it, it, it. This resonates all over the world. But what are some of the most important markets? Where would you start if you if you were a smaller band to 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 launch internationally? As Johan said before, I would start in Sweden, of course, and make it really good in Sweden uh, to prove the brand. Maybe not necessarily be a big brand in Sweden, but prove that you have your target group, uh, you know your customer, you have your story, which is tellable, as I said in, before, in multiple lines. So like take the old whisper story where you ask 10 people to say the same thing. It should end up at the 10th person at exactly the same story. Right. So because if something's a little bit grayish on the color scale in, in Sweden, it will become pitch black internationally because then you will meet so many other brands which already have their community target group. They're already selling. They're already in with all the retailers. So I think sharpen the knife or sharpen the saw before you go abroad and basic things like story presentations pictures content videos in a professional way given to the 
next party in line, instead of them asking for it. Simple things, but so important to have. And I think the other thing which is important is, again, back to the margins. I think the margin question is essential question for being able to succeed internationally. Because if the store wants 50% margin, the distributor wants 50% margin, and you want 50% margin, just do the math. <laughs> You're going to have to 400% to start with to, to have <laughs> so a business. It's, it's, it's like, because you when you start a brand in Sweden, you think, oh, I'm going to sell to Kix or Nitty Gritty or Olens or NK. And you you forget that internationally, you will have to fill in one more person in the line or maybe two. And even if you are a DTC brand uh, selling direct to consumer, it's going to cost a lot of money to buy that first customer. And if that first customer don't buy again, you have to buy a new customer. So Mark Zuckerberg will, it will cost you 50, 60 euros to buy one customer. If your product costs 30 euros, again, do the math, you will need a margin. And many people or many brands, they forget about the margin in the beginning. So I always, I always ask the, one of the first questions I ask, what's your cost of goods sold compared to your retail price? Easy question, but so get your math straight. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I also thought it was interesting that that you um, highlighted the, the content and the storytelling, mm. and and I just want to touch on that a, a little bit because I'm sure it's not enough to just say that you're from the Nordics. Or no, like we have the amazing <laughs> values of Scandinavia and so forth. What is that kind of X factor? Do you need what what specific uh, heritage or storyline or from the founder or from the place your origin? Like, how, how do you how do you you know recommend brand to find that story or or you know is there a particular type of ingredient that that kind of resonates internationally? You mean ingredient ingredient or uh, no? Uh, I mean <laughs> now I mean in, in the actual story. Like, uh, no, I. I it's hard to say, I would say, but it it needs to be compelling to what we discussed earlier uh, about uh, touching on people's personality. How can you, like the we discussed, uh, like the fashion industry, who's been always been good at at attracting people through how they look, and uh, you take your I express myself through my clothes, and how can I do that with beauty products today? It's the same. It's the same thing today. Your bathroom locker is is your wardrobe today. And how can you create that type of uh, community where people want to belong to that rather than just being a, a skincare product who solves my skin to be nourished and, and mm. smooth? So how do, how do you create those stories? And how do you create that trustworthiness that I want to belong to your brand? Because essentially that's what we that they have to aim for in the, in the future. How do I belong to a brand? What are the sort of emotions which which creates that I want to buy your product or want to be part of your group? So, uh, but again, advertising stories is hard to to be trustworthy. So it's better that there is something which someone experienced from the beginning or uh, touched upon, which can which you can relate to as a consumer. Mm. Mm. But you were the storyteller. So. <laughs> uh, but super fascinating, and the the the. <laughs> The, the what you said the bathroom cabinet becomes the new wardrobe. Uh, do you want do you want to follow up? Do you see that as well, or or uh, do you want to follow up on that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I've heard it from um, yeah more and more now from industry representatives um, how to express yourself 
through. And it also comes down to what you buy in the grocery store, not only your wardrobe, but also your like cons general consumption, how you travel. It's about being conscious and also speaking of storytelling to be able to tell your friends mm. the conscious choices that you've made. Mm. And that also uh, is, of course, uh, what you put on your skin. Yeah. I think I mean the fashion industry has always been good at this, and I also then see in the future that we will see new players. Uh, as back to again, how hard is it to, to create a new beauty brand? Right. Easy. So why not Acne doing a beauty line? Mm. They have a very clear community of people who express themselves with their clothes, and they would love to have their skincare as well. So and it's not hard for them to do it. Yeah. Um, and I was I mean you already see it. I mean take a interior brand like Frama, furniture brand. Right. They've created body lotion, uh, hand cream, and soap. Where's this trustworthiness in a furniture <laughs> brand creating a body care? But they do it. Mm. And they've really created a brand which people want to buy their soap and their hand cream. And the price of it is like 50 euros. So that's what I mean by new players coming in from, from the side who are not necessarily the man or woman who had problems with their skin in the beginning due to allergies and now yeah. I created a, a, a new skincare which will reduce my rashes or my child who is allergic to perfumes or whatever. Those were the stories from the past. Mm. But now it's the brands again who are, I like Frama. I, I think they like nice furniture. I like their soap because it's a design product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I also thought the, the furniture brands had kind of carte blanche in doing uh, home accessories and other products because compared to the cost of a sofa, you know, uh, 50 euros for a, for a soap or something is nothing. So yeah. it's, I just, you know, throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I think, into, you know, I think the consequence of what you're saying right now is that because since beauty, uh, you know, it's it's not something that you immediately see. I mean, a, a, an acne sweatshirt with a cool print, you can see it's an acne sweatshirt. But whereas your your kind of moisturizer or even your makeup, you don't see the brand on you. So the story you tell to your friends about that product becomes such a huge part of the brand experience. Then, so so uh, you know, it kind of underscores why that story has to be uh, solid mm. in a way. But you see, when I come to visit you next time in your archipelago house i'm sure you have some branded skincare products in your bathroom cabinet absolutely and i will judge you and <laughs> determine your personality <laughs> after it <laughs> which is a good way of transitioning into active caring i'm not holding one of your products in my hand because uh, you are actually one of the suppliers to helio where we're sitting uh, right now so uh, let's get into the experience of launching your own brand you uh, you know i remember you you came to us with a product presentation and i, I thought it was a fascinating because you had this unique kind of take on it because it was both uh, you know you did skincare stuff hand creams but you also did this kind of home care lines there was like I don't know, was it sun uh, uh, creams for your marble or, or or stuff like that but talk about the origins of, of doing this uh, the origins is, is that there's a in my belief at least there's a huge um, mind changing shift in the industry or in, in people's mind that uh, mass consumption has hopefully reached reach its peak mm. and uh, that means that we're more conscious of what we buy uh, in skincare, in fashion, in furniture, etc. 
we buy quality more, at least in the urban areas. And I think then there's also a discussion about, okay, even if I buy quality stuff, I need to take care of it. And how can we make people take care of something which people normally think is really boring? Because who wants to clean and care for something? Maybe there's been a lot of men, at least, taking care of their shoes for ages. People, men love their shoes. They've been polishing them for ages. But less and less so, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, because now we all have sneakers, so. <laughs> not you. No, but I think there's, uh, how can you help people to find joy in taking care of what you have? Mm. That's the foundation of, of active caring. And also maybe doing some flirting with the skincare industry where you you really take a lot of time to take care of your skin, man and woman today. But uh, how if we can transfer that to take care of your stuff, your objects and your tears, even if it's your marble bench or your wooden table, if I take care of this, it will last forever. And you also find joy in it. I, I feel so good after oiling my uh, furniture. I really do. Uh, and I want to express that and I want to get more people to find joy in that. Uh, so that's the foundation of active caring. So true, we have uh, a lot of products for routine, skincare routines for taking care of your marble, your silver, your wood, your leather, your leather bag which is now a Hermes bag or a Gucci bag. How do you take care of that so it lasts forever? Uh, but we've combined that with lifestyle products such as soap and hand cream and ordinary home care products and personal care products. So that's where we are. And it's been really hard, to be honest, to create your own brand because I've been helping so many brands. Mm. But whenever a brand has come to me, everything is done. Maybe I've complained about their presentation and their content material and a little bit tweaking the story but all the hard work from creating uh, the recipe to the bottles to the regulations to everything which is building up to where Diamond normally has been excellent in taking it to the next step. I don't know. It's a long, tough journey, <laughs> but fine. <laughs> and ongoing. But uh, yeah, you're growing and um, yeah, the visibility is bigger and bigger. And uh, no, it's it's. it's it's starting now slowly so. but steadily slowly yeah. but steady but uh, we're doing the diamond process so we're we're doing it internationally from day one mm. so it's now in uh, in several markets around the world in the early phase mm. but um, we're trying to do it by what we're taught other companies but this also means that you're moving i mean it's not we've talked a lot about beauty in this episode but you're not maybe targeting beauty retailers in the in the same it's more like furniture retailers or how do you see where, where does the product land so to speak yeah absolutely the furniture companies mm. uh, the like Aspluens here on, on in Stockholm or uh, whatever fur prominent furniture store or also the vintage stores like uh, Akfunsverket or Bukowskis who right. really sell vintage furniture with a price which can increase over time if, if you take care of it so they're very eager to say that I mean, buy this care kit and maybe you get a thousand euros more next time you sell it or you can give it to your grandchild and they will still be, still be in good shape. Mm. That's the emotion I want to create. But it's still uh, it's this, still the same process to launch the brand. And I think there's no difference between skincare and, 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 and what I'm doing here. It's the same process, but the channels may be different. But the beauty stores today, they diverse much more than they used to be in the past. So a lot of nice, I mean, we, you and I, we talked about Oh My Cream in, 
in France, which is a nice chain of, of organic beauty, I mean, they're introducing much more uh, wellness uh, assortment. And you see that in many stores that cleaning and care brands are coming into these ones. Even at Nose Beauty in or Nose Store in Paris, which is a perfume store, th they have cleaning products. And why do they get in there? Because they have emotions like scents. So right. traditional cleaning and care brands has been Ajax or whatever, mm. oh, horrible. <laughs> But now you've added the scent element. So you create emotions just like you do with perfume. So I think in the future, a lot of beauty stores will cover the whole element of even some nutrition and food, wellness, cleaning, and perfume and beauty. So it's not these verticals as before. And you cater for the whole process and hopefully in a natural way as well. So. Is this also a function of uh, these brands wanting new places to sell their products in a way like if if you're a if you're a scent brand you want to get into a furniture store or uh if you're a fashion brand you maybe want also want to get into some kind of homeware yeah. and, and so to speak we see the kind of crossovers happening all over the place and you do, do you see this growing yeah and it's actually a lot have started in sweden actually mm. sweden has always been very good at creating lifestyle concepts i mean if you take the map of europe going down in italy you still have a lot of verticals. You have your butcher, you have your men's store, you have your women's clothing, right. etc. And But in Sweden, it's all merged now. And we're creating lifestyle experiences. And it's spreading. But I, I would say we are in the in the forefront of that, mm. I would say. Uh, and and in, of course, in the major cities, you see it. But in Sweden, you have it all over. You're selling all towards a target group where where it's cleaning or if it's fashion or if it's uh, wellness products or whatever, it's all in the same place. So it's more about knowing your audience and servicing them with whatever new product they Absolutely. might be interested in. Yeah. Yeah. But again, if you look at, I mean, one of the advice I, I give to premium brands, if, if you want to launch internationally, is like start yourself, start in the cities instead of doing a country and start with the brand building stores, which are maybe five or six in each city. Mm. Uh, and it's really hard to get into them. But once you get into two or three, uh, the, road, the door is open because they all look at each other. If you go to Vu store in Berlin or Goodhood store in London, you will see that they have the same brands. Right. <laughs> and they think they're unique, but they still it's the same brands all over in these stores. And that's something which is uh, good or bad, but they are a good window to start with. And, and they're... Yeah, and when they're launching new brands or introducing or reintroducing like old heritage brands, you know that in one year or one and a half years, you'll see it in the leading stores in Scandinavia. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the time frame, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But I, I would say a brand store like Nitty Gritty in, in Stockholm is is, is really on to it. Yeah. I mean, I think they're part of the gang sure. of these five, six stores in each city around the world. Mm. So, but it's it's a it's a long way to get in there. But once you're through the door, that also open up opens up to uh, you being approached by other other stores, but also distributors and agents. So it's it's a good way to to do a, a effective and economic brand journey. And that's also like because when clo uh, when stores are closing in like mid-sized cities, of course the the people living there. They, they won't stop consuming. They won't uh, transfer into like online stores just because one retailer has closed, which means that, of course, the rest of the retailers will probably improve. Mm. 
and uh, that's like a development that we'll see uh, in more sectors i think I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that like because i'm not sure that uh, we'll see like the death of retail we'll see the transformation of retail right fully agree uh, i say that even more now the omnichannel approach is extremely important because 10 years ago, maybe people came to us and or maybe five years ago to saying that we only want to do direct to consumer. Right. Uh, but now it's back to a mix of it. So it's important to have those brand building stores, but also the global e-commerce players like Netta Porter, Mr. Porter, My Teresa, Louis van der Roma. Those ones are really good spreaders of your brand once mm. getting in there, but also your own uh, your own site. But it's so expensive to drive that channel. So you need you need your branding. And unless, again, if you have a big investment, of course, you can do everything by yourself. But not many of these brands we're talking about have that. Mm. They're small. And you talk a lot about uh, brand building now in connection to retail. But when you work with brands and they expand, uh, do they do that uh, to like grow as a brand? like in terms of sales and uh, um, yeah, sell more? Or is it mainly brand building now when going into, say, the leading store in uh, the UK or Spain? Because that's, after all, it's like one or two retailers. So the, the profit is limited, of course. <laughs> I, I don't think you see so much sales in these doors. You don't. So it's, it's a brand, it's a marketing phase, I would say. It's, it's a validation. It's a validation phase. And once you validate it, the next step is going down. I always try to... Uh, draw a pyramid where the top is uh, top stores and very little volume and how do you move down to the next phase without destroying the brand mm. uh, but in most cases I would say uh, Swedish brands uses partners to do it they're not selling themselves in the next phase right. they're, they're using distributors and agents uh, especially in Asia for example and very early on in uh, in the Asian market, for example, you will need to be more visible, not just a few bottles on a shelf. You will eventually need your own store, your store concept, because otherwise you're not a brand. And and the help of a distributor making that happen, they can finance that. So it's 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 doable for a small small brand. But the size of La Bruket, I mean, look at what they're doing in Korea now. It's they're smashing it because they they have a visibility which is really nice. And I think that's much faster in Asia than it is in Europe. In Europe, we still have a lot of wholesale and we have e-com, of course. In the US, Amazon is extremely important. More than 50% of the sales of beauty products is through Amazon today. Wow. So, and we haven't even heard of Amazon in Sweden, or at <laughs> least it's something, nothing that we will go into, no. maybe buying tape. <laughs> but, <laughs> So when will we see the, the active carrying flagship store? Yeah, I, I think soon. I think uh, my dream is to have a care bar in Stockholm mm -hmm. uh, where you can come in with your with your nice uh, bag or your shoes or your side table and uh, we'll take care of it and make it beautiful again. That's mm -hmm. my dream of it. And uh, maybe in a few years, but definitely we need a care, care bar concept. Uh, here and in other parts of the world as well. And you, if any, know where to put it because you know all the retailers here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
All right, I can sense you have some plan there uh, <laughs> that you're not revealing. Um, let's. We need to wrap this up. But is there any uh, parting comment regards to where the uh, industry is going? If you look in the crystal ball, the next kind of five years, what are the things brand need to look out for, or or invest in, or or double down on? Create that community mm. and really do content. Get help by Scandinavian Mind to create mm. the content of uh, really, really defining your target group and making that pe people think that's my personality. How do we get to that? Mm. Uh, and keep on researching about new ingredients, but ingredients are trends. I mean, we've seen anti-pollution, we've seen CBD, we see SPF, and they all come and go, but brand building, I would say, key. Ola Gede is the co-founder of Diamond Retail and the uh, home care brand Act of Caring. Thank you so much for sharing your insights today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, the special edition uh, about beauty innovation with Ola Gede and my colleague Johan Magnusson. Don't forget to sign up to uh, our Beauty Innovation Insights newsletter. Visit scandinaviamind.com slash beautyinnovation. And of course, our regular newsletter with news from uh, the fashion, beauty, uh, design and mobility industry. Visit scandinaviamind.com slash newsletter. Until next week, goodbye.